It's our privilege to present this message from the teaching ministry of Reverend George DeYoung as part of the Fruit from Under the Fig Tree. George DeYoung is the founder of Under the Fig Tree Ministries, an organization dedicated to helping people understand the power of God's Word in its Jewish context to equip them to impact their culture. George helps us understand the message of Christ by experiencing the world of the Bible. We pray you're challenged and encouraged by the Word of God as George brings us this teaching from the text. Now, let's see with our eyes, hear with our ears, and set our hearts on what God desires as we join George recorded live on location. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the word was God. And the same God that spoke with the authority and the power and the love at the very beginning of all things, time before time, is the same God, though he uses my voice, offers you these words. Now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And you, you are precious and honored in my sight. And I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe on him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn. God sent his son to save. Uh, I could be in big trouble on this one. I didn't ask permission. I'm going to tell you as best as I can remember it. And the trouble I'd be in with is my family, <clears throat> because I did not ask the two people I'm going to mention in just a moment if I could use this. But I'm going to use it anyhow. So, Ken and Mark and the boys, our two grandsons, Reese and Toby were over for supper, and, and Mark begins to share and says to Reese, do you want to ask Paca your question? And uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Paca is the Dutch way, the proper Dutch way of saying grandfather. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so, and Reese kind of smiles. And I said, what's the question? Well, says Mark, and this is as best as I understand it, Mark and Reese had a question. Our Reese is a little bit precocious, and uh, Reese was saying to his father, Dad, I know, I know that God lives in me. Yes, that's right, Reese. Exactly where does he live in me? Does he live in my blood? Does he live in my bones? Does he live in my lungs? And then Mark, the way Mark tells it, Reese goes through all kinds of body parts. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and then and Mark, Mark said, you know what, Reese? Your Paca went to school to answer questions like that. And uh, let's ask Paca. 
right? So, well, yeah, he does. He does live in your heart. And he does live in your mind. Your thoughts belong to him. What makes you passionate? And, and, and he belongs in your feet. Because where you go belongs to him. He belongs in your hands. What you do belongs to him. Uh, and, and, and what I'd like to do, given the inspiration I've gotten from my grandson, I'd like to make a case today with you that God also wants to live in our tongues. In the beginning was the word. He lives in our tongues. I, I came across, um, um, oh, oh, here are the passages that I've just shared with you, of course, John 1, 1, and Isaiah 43, the first few verses, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I didn't have to dig too deep to get that one back. And, of course, John 3, 16 and 17. And what I'd like to do, and what I want to give you today, um, because I think it's a time that, that we need encouragement. We need to be encouraged. Um, there's, everybody's walking around drained, kind of empty. And, and, and we're bumping and we're bruising into each other because um, we're all legitimate when we say we're, we're empty. So I, I, I would like to spend some time and I want to allow, not me to encourage you, but God to encourage you. But to get there, I, I, I have to go here. And I, I go here because God, through my little grandson, Reese, brought me here. Because God does want to live in our tongues if we let him. Now, there's something about the tongue that you got to know. And I learned this week. In the book of Proverbs, there is this sentence. The tongue has the power of life and of death, and it does. You have felt the power of the tongue's life. You have felt the power of the tongue's death. And, 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 and certainly in our crowd, um, because we've looked at, because of my passions and my interests, um, in the beginning was the word. And God certainly agrees with that this is from his word, he understands in the tongue there is the power of life. And Genesis 1, and God speaks and it happens and it's life and it's life and it's more life. And then the serpent speaks and then there's death. In the tongue, the tongue has the power of life and of death. What's interesting about that verse is that's not the verse in its totality. There's more to that verse. That verse goes this way. The, the tongue has power of life and death. And then it goes on and it says, those who love it eat its fruit. Now, I have been mulling on that all week. What do you mean, those who love? Those who love the tongue? Will love and I, I, I thought, yeah. Those who love the tongue's power of, of life will live off its fruit. And, and, and if you're an encourager and you're, you want to bless, and there's fruit to that. There's also those who want to live off the fruit of death with their put-downs and their cynicism and their sarcasm. 
I was, I was thinking about this a lot, and I, I thought, you know, there's one guy, and for you young ones, you can YouTube this, if you YouTube Paul Harvey. Good morning, Americans. It's Friday. That's the rest of the story. Paul Harvey, who always had words of life. He was a deeply spiritual man, but it wasn't like he was always preaching. He just would tell stories, and the way he would tell those stories you would always walk away blessed. Some of them more, some of them less, but you'd walk away blessed. Paul Harvey enjoyed the power of the tongue and, and, the, and the fruit of life. Then I was thinking, I have to come up with someone on the other side, and, and I couldn't help but think of Adolf Hitler, of this man who stands ranting and raving with poison coming from his lip. And the crowd responds, Sieg Heil, Sieg Heil, Sieg Heil. And in the 30s and the 40s in Nuremberg and thousands and tens of thousands of people. And the fruit of death. The tongue, says the writer of Proverbs, has the power of life and has the power of death. And those who love it eat its fruit. What If you thought this past week about your tongue, What power are you enjoying? Especially with those who politically disagree with you. And sometimes we don't say things with the thing in our mouth, but where our tongue is the fingertips on the keyboard. Interesting thing about this verse is it begins with the tongue has the power of life and in death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And then it goes on and it ends this way. It says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And I'm going, what? What is that doing there? A little ADD with the Holy Spirit? I mean, we're talking about the tongue and now we're talking about marriage. What's going on here? You know what I think is going on? I think the writer of the Proverbs, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, was thinking about the power of the tongue, about its fruit, and then it places it in the context of the most intimate relationship that we have as people. Because quite frankly, there is no more meaningful place where words matter more than those relationships that are closest to us. We really need to manage our words together, don't we? Not just in our marriages, but in our family. And not just in our family, but our church family. Here, here's a, here's a principle I'll give to you. The more intimate the relationship, and we have some pretty intimate relationships here, don't we? The more intimate the relationship, the more powerful the words. So if you're driving down the road and somebody, some, you cut somebody off by accident and they drive by and throw the finger at you and then and, and goofus, and you'll feel bad a little bit about it. I do, because it happens to me. Um, I'll feel bad about it, but I don't, I don't take it too personally. But if Beth were to say that to me, if one of my kids were to say that to me, if I were to say it to one of my kids. See, the writer of the Proverbs understands that in the tongue, there's power. 
Power for life, power for death. And you will enjoy the fruit of whatever power you have. And that, but that power is best stewarded in those relationships that are intimate to us. In our own families, in our church family. God is not going to judge us on how well we get along when we agree with one another. He's going to judge us on how well we get along when we don't. And the more intimate the relationship, the more powerful the words. See, death and life are in the power of tongue. That makes sense not only in, in, in our relationships together, but that also makes sense in, in a spiritual way. Um, I, I, Paul wrote this to the Thessalonians, and, and I really appreciated the way Eugene Pierce, Peterson, uh, now of blessed memory, translated it. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this, and be careful when you get on each other's nerves. Don't snap at each other. <laughs> Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. It's a spiritual thing. It's not just a psychological thing. It's a spiritual thing. That's what enables us to see each other, not by the labels the world puts on us. All oh, those labels are there, I, I, but they're not prioritized. We prioritize image bearer. We're all image bearers. I so learned that when I led trips to Egypt, Jordan, and Israel. And I have such dear friends who are Muslims. And I want to witness to them. I want them to, but, the, but I, I can't, I don't want to see my friend Yasser as a Muslim. I want to see him as an image bearer. An image bearer. Um, here's a verse I want to just, I want to spend just a few moments with. Um, this, the writer to the Hebrews basically is saying the same thing. He writes it this way. And let us consider how we may Spur one another toward love and good deeds. I like that verse. We're going to spend time thinking about. By the way, that, that word for consider, um, that the word in Greek is paranuao. Paranuao. Paranuao means to kind of uh, consider, yeah, but it, it, it has the, the idea of um, focus, learn, understand. I'm going to translate it. I'm going to say, and let us dig deep <laughs> how we might spur one another. Let, 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 there's appeal to this. That's why he's telling us to do it. We'd rather not do it. I don't want to dig that kind of deep and how I'm going to encourage one another when we, well, we're not really seeing eye to eye. Let us dig deep on how we may spur. That word spur, that's a good translation, but, but it also has the meaning to spur, to stir, to sharpen, to encourage one another toward love and good deeds. I like that. We have to dig deep. We do. We do. But that's what we asked God to help us with, wasn't it? We asked him in the prayer time that, Lord, you know, just as we, we seek your forgiveness, we seek your redemption, we know there are no do-overs, but can we begin again? And the reason why God is, he just loves you so much, but when, when, when we ask that and when we want that, he, he's hearing us say to him also, and we want to help other people to begin again with us. 
we want to begin again with you. If we could have that, Father, you can count on me. I'm going to give a begin again for him. I'll give a, her a begin again. Lord, you have redeemed me. So I, I want to be an instrument of your redemption. So I'm going to try to redeem. I'm going to try to, I have hope. I'm going to give hope. I've got love. I'm going to give love. Let us dig deep that we may spur and sharpen and encourage one another for good deeds. Here's the rub. I had a hard time writing this sermon. And you're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, it feels like it. I don't know. But I had a hard time. I had a hard time writing this message because, quite frankly, uh, I just kind of feel empty. I'm tired. Maybe there's this COVID stuff. We've had all kinds of levels of leadership, good to bad to very, very poor, of our authorities over us. Our goodwill has been frittered away from both sides of the aisle. I'm kind of feeling empty. This one's uh, this is an old one, so you young ones may not get this, but but his name was Robert Schuler. It was a Crystal Cathedral. This is the guy who turns your scars into stars guy. He always had a, a and 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 Robert Schuler in the hour of power would always say, "God loves you." And so do I. And he'd smile. I, I think he meant it. I think he meant it. But this past week, the closest I could get to that is God loves you. And I think I'll try. I'll try. I didn't think I was. But Beth said I was crabby. And I was. And she was sweet. So sweet. I was crabby. At the end of the day, I came to her and said, sweetie, I'm sorry, I was crabby. She said, yes, you were. I'm not a crabby guy. And I don't say this as an excuse, but I, I, I say this because I'm wondering if you can identify with this as well. You know that whole thing, love God, love others, serve the world? The reason it's hard for me to love God, love others, and serve the world is because I kind of feel an empty. It's not that I don't love God. It's not that I don't love others. And it's not that I didn't show up for the committee meeting. It's just I feel empty. And then I think of this fountain. You ever, you ever see those fountains that that have these little bowls, right? And then, and then the bowl fills up with water, and when it fills to a certain type level, it tips, right? And then and it goes into the next bowl. And that bowl fills up with water, and it tips. And that fills the next bowl, and it tips. You know what I mean? So there's always these bowls tipping, tipping. I, I, I feel like one of those bowls, but, and it's not that I don't love God. It's in the bowl. It's not that I don't love others. It's in the bowl. It's not that I don't want to serve others. It's in the bowl. But not, it just doesn't seem like anything's coming into the bowl, so it doesn't tip. 
It's in the, I have to be patient. I have to be kind. I have to be long-suffering. And I was thinking about that. And so I, I, I kind of want to say to God, before I, before I, before I, before I can, I, I need filling before I can be pouring. And then, and for those of you who've worshipped with us for a while, you'll recognize the cold Amamadaka, that still small voice, that whisper of God that Elijah heard on Mount Horeb. Because there was fire and God wasn't in the fire and there was earthquake and God wasn't. There was wind and God wasn't in the wind. But then there was that still small voice, the cold Amamadaka, the rabbis say. Because the voice of God you can only hear if you're listening. I'd like to assign it to that. And this is what I heard. For some reason, my mind went back to seminary. But when I was in seminary, it's as if I heard it for the first time, our seminary professor said, you realize, students, that the Ten Commandments are in the Heidelberg Catechism. And there are three sections. There's the sin section, there's the deliverance section, and there's the gratitude section. Never forget that the Ten Commandments are not in the sin section. They're not in the deliverance section. They're in the gratitude. And that everything we do is out of gratitude. Everything we do is a filling. John put it this way, 1 John, in, in, in his letter, chapter 4. He says, we love because he first loved us. And so I, I really felt for you, at least for me, I don't, I don't want this to be a have-dos, gotta-dos, must-dos. I want you to know how much God loves you. Well, that brings me to, well, that brings me to Isaiah 43. I am the Lord your God, and I've chosen you. I created you, O Jacob. I formed you, O Israel. And you're mine. I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Russian rivers will not sweep you away. You want to know why? Because your mind, no matter what the waters are, whether it's the waters of the Red Sea or it's the waters of the Jordan River, no matter what wadi washouts will come, you, because you're mine, all water for you is my chayim, living water, my presence. And when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. Why? The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because you see, like that bush, and as, Daniel, uh, as, as Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned, for you, that fire is my presence. 
Oh, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, uh, O Israel. He who formed you, O Jacob, O Israel. Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name, and you are mine. So that when you walk through the waters, I'm with you. Rushing rivers will not sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. You'll not be set ablaze. Why? Because I am the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Note that, please. That designation is a designation of betrothal. You are my bride, is what God's saying. I am the Holy One of Israel, and you are precious and honored in my sight. I looked up that word precious. And for those of you who've come to funerals over the years, I think it's Psalm 116, verse 15, the death, the death of his saints are precious in God's sights. That word precious, that word precious has the idea of highly valued because it's rare. The, the, the word precious has the idea of, of, of that it, it, it's guarded because of its great worth. Yeah, we're going to go through heavy waters. We're going to go through fires. We're going to go through a wilderness. But never mistake that as the absence of God's love for you. And of all the times and of all the places that I've been pastor, I just feel everyone is on a kind of edge with each other. And we're all looking for someone to cut slack in the rope for us when everybody needs some slack in the rope. It's not that God isn't in us. It's not that we don't love each other. It's not that we want to serve each other. As a man of the text, may I just simply say to you, would you allow God simply to love you today? If you promise me you won't fall asleep, close your eyes. Enjoy the pictures that come to your mind. You are my treasured possession. You are my kingdom of priests, my holy nation, my segula. I remember it was a few years ago, I went to um, uh, our middle school program, and we we're talking about segula. And I talked to my friend in Israel. And I had him make rings for all the kids. And on that ring in Hebrew was the word segula, treasured possession. With your eyes closed from the book of Deuteronomy. And just, just let this soak into you. You, you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, to be his segula. Keep your eyes closed. See this picture. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she bore? See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. 
your walls are ever before me. And when I looked up, your walls are ever before me, you could translate it literally. Your protection is my focus, says God. Our hope is in the Lord. Or these words from the psalmist. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He never tires of watching. And the word there for watching is guarding. For God so loved the world. For each one of us. These words from Jeremiah. I have loved you with an everlasting love. The word in Hebrew for love there is ahav. It means affection. I love you with an everlasting affection. And the word everlasting, don't just think of it as, as a temporal word. It means much more than that. The word everlasting means an enduring love. So no matter where you, where, what mud and filth and blasphemy you drag God's love through, he loves you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And it goes on. And I carry you with loving kindness. The word there for loving kindness is the Hebrew word chesed. It's only used of God. It's the only way God knows how to love. It's covenantal love. It's loving kindness. Keep your eyes closed. And now, uh, here's an example I came across this week, and I was so blessed by it, I want to share it with you, of chesed. Think of chesed this way. They've been married for 73 or 74 years. Their health has been reasonably good. They still live at home. They are so in love. Their love has continued to deepen and deepen and deepen. But she, she had a stroke. He, he says, I'm going to take care of her as long as I can. And so he cares for her. He feeds her. He bathes her. He cleans her. Now, now he does that because of the covenant of love he has with this one. You, 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 you he, he, now, now it's not that, it's not that home health care doesn't care for her if he called them in. They do care for her, and they may develop some feelings for her, but nothing like the feelings he has for her. And quite frankly, home health care will continue to do as long as you get paid. He, he will never stop. That's chesed. That's covenantal love. No matter what is required for him, it is all with dignity and with all respect, with honor. That's how God loves us. I have loved you with an everlasting love no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done. And I carry you with loving kindness, no matter where your path may lead. Allow that to wash over you. Allow that to soak into you. So I'm sitting in my study. And I'm thinking, well, this has been a hard sermon because I just felt empty. Not that I had forgiven or forgotten God and didn't love my wife. 
kicked the dog, slammed the door. It's just that I, when I turn to others and I'm looking for a little bit, they don't have it to give. God didn't make us that way. He made us in such a way that, that yeah, sometimes he gives through people. But this is a time that he gives through himself. And some people are really discouraged. I get it. I was looking at the tree outside my office, and, um, and the leaves are all falling. That's a dangerous thing for, for, um, for those kind of trees, for maple trees, because you see, they get their food through the leaves. They're losing their leaves. And to the untrained eye, you're thinking these trees are going to die if they don't have leaves, and they don't have leaves, and they won't have leaves for several months. But God is very wise. Because you know why those leaves are falling? They're being disconnected by the, from the tree by the buds of the next set of leaves that will come after winter. There's going to be a tomorrow. We're going to get through this. It won't be pretty. We'll get through as Israel. We struggle together with God and with each other. We understand that there's power in the tongue. The powers of the tongue's fruit that we want to dine on, the power of life and the relationships we have one with another. And we can do that. We can do that because we belong our great God who's redeemed us, who summoned us by name. And those things that would overwhelm and wash away others, those things that would burn and consume yet others, because we belong to him, he will receive glory because we are so loved. Application. I would challenge all of you today to make today distinctively different than any other day. Go for a walk in the woods. Go for a walk on the street. Take some time in his word, but do something that you wouldn't do otherwise that you could do with your God. Because the filling that he wants to give you now is just a smackerel, like the great theologian Winnie the Pooh would say, of the kind of filling he wants to give you this day so that you and I would be conduits of his grace. Enjoy your God. Love your God. Because he so enjoys and he loves you. It's our desire that this teaching by George DeYoung has encouraged you to walk more closely in the dust of our Rabbi Yeshua. Please visit us on the web at www.underthefigtree.org or write to us at Under the Fig Tree, P.O. Box 1256, Holland, Michigan, 49423. Please remember George and this ministry in your prayers. Under the Fig Tree is a nonprofit organization that's solely dependent on your tax-deductible contributions. We very much appreciate your support. Now go and tell Israel. And until next time, may the shalom of the Lord guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.